Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. Two things on the docket today. We're going to look at Biden's recent comments on the Russia-Ukraine thing, and we'll do a quick inflation update with the Federal Reserve's most recent meeting in rate hikes. On Thursday, shortly after an announcement that the U.S. had approved armed drones to be transferred to Ukrainian forces, President Biden called Vladimir Putin a war criminal which also comes the day after the largely symbolic Moscow move to sanction the U.S. president, his top defense officials, and even his son, Hunter. That was uh, an interesting development. So Biden stated on Wednesday afternoon, quote, I think he is a war criminal, end quote. And the president's remarks speak for themselves, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said afterwards. She said Biden was, quote, speaking from the heart, end quote. So I, th- I just found that very interesting. I love when our politicians call other people in other countries war criminals. So today I just want to take a quick look back at our own track record of war, death, and destruction that we cause all over the world. I mean, speaking of war criminals, does anyone remember President George W. Bush? You know, when he was leaving office, many professional legal organizations, human rights organizations around the world thought he would be declared a war criminal when he was leaving office just for his overt and systematic violations of international laws like the Geneva and Hague Conventions, the U.S. laws, the War Crimes Act, Anti-Torture Act, and federal assault laws. I mean, there's a book, George W. Bush, War Criminal, And this book lays out and identifies 269 specific war crimes under the U.S. and international law, which President Bush, his senior officials and administration were guilty of. Six war crimes were committed in launching a war of aggression, 36 war crimes committed in the conduct of war, 175 war crimes committed in the treatment of prisoners, you know, Guantanamo Bay torture program, anyone remember that? and 52 war crimes committed in post-war occupations. And then let's take a big peek back at the Obama administration. In 2016 alone, the Obama administration dropped at least 26,171 bombs. That's in one year. So that's 72 bombs every day, and that's three bombs for every hour. And we, we don't, don't worry, we spread that those bombs out, because at that point, during the Obama administration, We were bombing seven places, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, Iraq, and Syria. And Donald Trump continued the bombing. He only bombed Iraq, Syria, Somalia, Libya, and Yemen. And don't forget about all the innocent people that were also killed, civilians that were killed during that time, right? Very underreported, if at all. You know, for instance, the U.S. strikes in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Somalia, and Yemen from 2002 to 2020, killed between 10,000 and 17,000 people. Of these, between 800 and 1,750 are thought to have been civilians. And I guarantee you it's way fucking higher than that, but that's, that's their estimates, because they don't even know how many people they kill. They just fucking drop bombs, drones, missiles, whatever. So, scoreboard, Bush dropped 83,337 bombs and missiles in his administration, Obama 
in his administration dropped 137,062 bombs and missiles, and Trump had 111,870 in his administration. So, I mean, since 2001, we've dropped 337,055 bombs and missiles. And let's not forget about how Biden started off his administration with a botched U.S. drone strike last year in Kabul, Afghanistan, where we killed 10 innocent people, including seven children. And the video footage of that attack was just released. We have the military making life or death decisions based on imagery that was fuzzy and hard to interpret in real time. But we're just hitting a button and blowing up cars in other countries because we think they're suspected terrorists. And whoops, it turns out it's just a bunch of fucking kids and a family. So I just wanted to bring that up when we start calling Russia names. I mean, it just, it's frustrating because we do the same shit and we do it fucking way worse. I'm not saying what Russia is doing to Ukraine is justified. I don't know. I don't care. I don't have all the facts. No one does. That's a them problem. And yes, it's affecting the whole world because everyone's giving lip service and everyone's trying to get on this thing so everyone can blame Russia for all the problems in everyone's country. But we need to acknowledge the U.S.'s role in that powder keg finally exploding. And let's not lose sight of our shitty track record of just raining down death and destruction in other countries where we just bomb them, you know, because there may be a terrorist there. You know, we have no problem dropping bombs in other people's countries, and yet we sit here and judge when two other countries that neighbor each other go to war. I just wanted to bring that up because that's not talked about in the news. I think it's helpful perspective on how to look at this thing, you know, from, from the 10,000-foot view. also wanted to give a quick inflation update. The Federal Reserve announced a quarter-point rate hike yesterday, so the Fed's fund rate went from zero to 0.25%. So remember, inflation is at 7.9%. If you're like, wow, how many of those rate hikes are we going to need to get to inflation? I did the math. It's 32. 32 rate hikes to catch up to inflation, let alone get out ahead of it. That's just to get to the 7.9% of inflation. And just as a quick history lesson, I know I reference this a lot, but it's very important. In 2018, in Q4 2018, so the last three months of 2018, the Fed got interest rates up to two and a quarter percent and the stock market crashed. It crashed so much that the Fed had to go right back to zero. And we supposedly had a very strong economy. So why did the two and a quarter percent rate ruin it? And more importantly, if we had such a strong economy, why did we need to go right back to zero? Our response to that was interest rates back to zero. That was the emergency playbook in 2008 when we were in the global financial crisis and we used the same response in 2018 with a quote unquote strong economy. That tells me that it wasn't strong. That's how fragile it was and they knew it. Also in the latest Fed, Federal Reserve comments and stuff from yesterday, all the quantitative tightening language in the schedules had been removed from their statement. So originally they were gonna start shrinking their balance sheet by slowing down their asset purchases in the bond market and in the mortgage-backed securities market. It looks like they totally scrapped that plan. I don't know if they hope no one noticed. Again, they just constantly move the goalposts to not expose how fragile the economy really is. You know, the Fed is keeping the economy going with its asset purchases. They can't stop it. They were going to slow it down, but they didn't even do that. 
And there's no way they can raise rates above 7.9%, which is what's needed to slow inflation down. You know, all the stuff I'm looking at is telling me we'll never make it to two and a quarter percent like we did in 2018. There is so much more debt, so much more leverage that it's highly unlikely that we even get to one and a half percent, let alone 7.9% interest rates. So what does that mean? Well, it means inflation is not going away anytime soon, right? Number one, interest rates will never get above the inflation rate. The real interest rates will always be negative. If the inflation rate is 7.9% and the bank is giving you 0.25% interest on your money, you're losing money, right? So that's when they talk about the real rates. You have to take the interest rate, subtract the inflation rate, and that's your real rate. And right now we have negative real rates. And two, the, they aren't even admitting that there's a problem. So there's absolutely zero chance that they're going to give an honest attempt to fix it. They won't even admit it's a problem. Because if they admitted it's a problem, they'd have to admit that they caused it. And they'll never fucking do that. So they have to keep blaming Russia, Putin, COVID. And they have to keep spending the government money that we don't have. Right? So until the politicians admit that they're the problem which obviously no politician would ever do. So, again, it's never going to happen. You'll just keep getting more of this. I'm sick of this stuff. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. A trillion dollars over 20 years is saved. So when we're having this discussion, it's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. It is not inflationary, A. B, we don't want to reduce the increase in jobs, which we're very proud of. This president breaking records, his historic numbers of jobs created in the first year of his term in office, and a lot of it traced to there's the American Recovery Act. But yeah, it's, it's, we're paying very close attention to it. But this starts with Putin because global inflation, for reasons beyond the gas, the gas price, global inflation is something that we have to deal with globally, but we have our responsibility to deal with it at home. And we have legislation that does just that by increasing supply and, uh, again, creating jobs in a way that is not adding to inflation. All right. So that was President Biden followed up by Nancy Pelosi's recent comments on inflation. When you hear me explain what inflation is, and then when you hear them explain that it's not them and blame someone else. I'm just curious how you feel when you hear that. Like, do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm wrong? Do you think they're right? You know, it's, it's so, it's so funny. Cause they just said the, they just said the exact opposite of what I just said. And all I'm doing is just going back to the original dictionary definition of inflation before they changed it, which is the expansion of the money supply. I don't know. Government, they, the government doesn't have anything that it hasn't taken away from the private sector, right? So the public, like tax revenue. Government doesn't create shit. They don't make anything. They take and they redistribute. So inflation comes from creating more money to pay for shit that we, can't, that we don't have enough money to buy, 
right? So in 2021, we collected $3.581 trillion in taxes. However, we spent $7.249 trillion. So that gave us a deficit of $3.668 trillion. Well, you can't just spend money you don't have, right? So you have to print the money. The Federal Reserve has to monetize the debt of the Congress, of the spending. In 2022, our projected deficit is $1.7 trillion. And that's just the budgeted numbers. I mean, the actuals will definitely be a lot higher than that. So if inflation is the expansion of the money supply and the government continues to spend more money than they have, they need to increase the money supply to pay their debt. And that's all they're doing. All right, so to recap, let's not fall for the Putin is a war criminal and we're not. We're the good guys. He's the bad guy. You know, we need to understand our, our own history and our own foreign policy. You know, Russia is having a border dispute with Ukraine, you know, that we've been complicit in pushing Russia to the brink of this. You know, what if ISIS was giving billions of dollars in arms to Canada? What if ISIS overthrew the pro-U.S. Canadian government and hand-selected an anti-American government? What would be the U.S.'s response? Now, remember, we have no trouble bombing Afghanistan, Pakistan, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, Iraq, Syria. And the closest country to the U.S. is Libya, which is 4,955 miles away. So what do you think would happen if another country started to do that to a country that bordered the U.S., that threatened the U.S.'s security? What do you think the U.S.'s response would be when there's a military buildup on their own border? Probably pretty similar to Russia, and I guarantee you it'd probably be a fucking lot worse. And lastly, let's not let the politicians blame anyone else for this inflation problem. They created it by spending money they don't have. They spend more than they collect in taxes, and they have to make the difference up by printing money. That creates inflation. This problem will never, ever, ever get fixed until A, they realize that they're causing it and stop blaming other people, and B, we cut government spending. 